All right, I'm going to pray, and then we'll dive into our time. Um, Holy Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jesus, the Spirit sent by the Father, our advocates, our counselor, our comforter, our friends, would you, um, would you fill us in a fresh way this morning? In Ephesians, we're called to be filled with the Spirit, and that's an ongoing imperative. That, that's something we should continue to pursue, to continue to be increasingly influenced by love personified. To be increasingly influenced by the giver of gifts, to be increasingly influenced by the comforter, the counselor, the friend. To make us people who come alongside others, to make us people who look more like Jesus, to make us people who are confident in the Father's love. And this morning as I teach, I, I just do pray you'd speak through me and in spite of me, Holy Spirit. If I'm honest, I'm still so suspicious of you. I get nervous around you. But it's because I don't see you clearly enough. And so would you help me and our entire church see you clearer this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. Um, if you guys have Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Um, and uh, today we're going to be continuing our series in Paul's letter to the Romans. Uh, by the way, I heard uh, last week was phenomenal uh, without me, which is great news to hear. I'm not exaggerating. Uh, it felt really, really good uh, to hear that you guys were, um, were stepping up, not only the elders, but the entire church stepping up to minister to one another, to uh, celebrate this new space together. And so I do want to honor our, uh, the, the elders, though, and just uh, give them a round of applause. Also, Maria. Uh, Maria Orta is with our LA church. They're doing their Give Love this upcoming week, and so she's up there to, to do that um, and, uh, and to, to, to minister to them. So she's not with us today, but also um, she, she's been phenomenal uh, from beginning to end on this thing. Um, also Nicole, also Julia, also Mia. Um, just really, really grateful um, for, for what's been happening around here and the way God's been using you all. And so, um, but I'll share more about how that, that experience was for me a little bit later in the message, um, but so excited that on this end it went so, so well. Um, so, so we're in the book of Romans. Now, if you guys, as you guys know, Paul has spent, or if, if you're new, uh, Paul spent the first seven chapters revealing to us the root issue of what is really wrong with this world. And that's our estrangement from God as the human race. That as at the fall that brokenness entered our heart, and then we take our heart and ourselves into spaces and places and times and nations and structures and economies and schools and neighborhoods and families and marriages and friendships and none of it looks like the way Jesus wanted it to look when he created it. Things are not as they should be. But then Paul says, how can that be made right again? And he goes, well, if that started with the alienation from God, the solution is a reconciliation to God. And the way that he does that is Jesus comes and he, and he lives the life that you and I should live. He dies the death that you and I should die. He rises again. Uh, victoriously, and then he sends us his spirit, and, and he's slowly but surely making us like him, and as he makes us like him, we make the spaces and places and families and schools and structures and economies and neighborhoods and all the things I had, I said earlier, we make them a little more like the kingdom of heaven where Jesus is king. So we're subjects of that king. And so now Paul, in the second half of Romans, he's going to say, if all of that is true, how does that change things? What, what, what happens? And, and, and I made a joke. We kind of started a mini-series these past few weeks called that new-new. Like we, we, we like new stuff. 
And again, I just can't, uh, Romans 8 is all about these gifts. It, it is all, here is what God has done for you in Christ. Romans 8, again, people call it the greatest chapter in Scripture. Um, uh, and so much of it is there's no commands, it's imperatives. It's this is what God has done, and this is what's available to you. It's gifts and gifts and gifts. And a couple weeks ago, I talked about the new freedom we have, um, uh, the new peace we have with God, uh, because there's no condemnation. We did a whole sermon on Romans 8.1. Three weeks ago, John Dennert crushed a message on new hope, Romans 8, 18 through 30. Uh, two weeks ago, I talked about the new perspective we can have, Romans 8, 1 to 9. Uh, today, we're going to continue that theme of new stuff. And again, we do. We, we love new stuff. Last yesterday, um, uh, we had a family beach day, and we were there for about seven hours. And we get home, and my buddy, I don't know where Jimmy is. Jimmy's in the back. Do you one of my best friends in this world, Jimmy Clark. Uh, I've known him forever. And he said, hey, man, I, uh, we left a... Uh, a present for Jackie on the back back porch. Uh, I was like, man, it's, it's on the back porch. It must be pretty big. And, uh, you know, and he, he punctually just, he actually said, I hope she likes her new pony. Uh, and I was like, whoa, can't wait to see it. And we got home, and there was a, uh, a, a very new-to-us grill. There was a whole grill. Now, again, Jackie's birthday. Again, I want you guys to catch this. My wife's like, my wife has told her friends, I want a grill. That's our family, right? I want tools. I want a grill. And I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay. Um, now, again, we, we love new stuff, and, and there's a newness here. So, so, again, we've covered new peace, new hope, new perspective. Today, I want to talk about a new presence, a new presence. And to do that, uh, we're going to look at Romans chapter 8. If you guys have a copy of the scriptures, go ahead and look there. Uh, if you have a Bible app, go ahead and, and do that thing. Uh, try to put it on airplane mode, though, because I'd love to talk to you uh, today. Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 9. It says, you, however are not in the flesh. Remember last week, Paul said, or two weeks ago, Paul said, this is what it looks like to be in the flesh. This is the perspective you have. It's self, 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 self. But now that we're in the spirit, it's Jesus, 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 Jesus. He says, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you. If anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Now, if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. Verse 11, I love this verse. And if the Spirit of him who was, uh, was raised, Jesus from the dead, lives in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through the Spirit who lives in you. This picture of there are dead things in us. There are holdovers from the fall. And Paul says, just like Jesus' physical body was brought back to life, there are parts of your life that are going to be reawakened, resurrected. Good word for it, restored. Verse 12, so then, brothers and sisters, we are not obligated to the flesh to live according to the flesh, because if you live according to the flesh, you are going to die. But if by the Spirit you put the, to death the deeds of the body, you will live for all those led by God's spirits are God's sons. Now, I don't know if you, if you caught it, but so much of today's text is about the Holy Spirit. A matter of fact, the, the Holy Spirit is mentioned eight times in five verses in our English Bibles. Uh, so it's probably important that we understand uh, who the Holy Spirit is and what Paul is saying he is up to. We're going to understand this text. And the purpose of understanding any text at any time is that we might know and become like Jesus. It's never just for information. So, so I, I want to do that, all right? So, so to do that, I want to take a step back and remember what Paul has described so far in the book of Romans. Again, in the gospel, Paul has been telling us uh, throughout Romans that God is reconciling the world to himself. 
and that when we are reconciled to him, he starts to restore us. Now, why does he need to restore us? I don't know if you know this, but because of what Jesus has done, you need to know that there is a power inside of you to become the person God created you to be. Now, before I get into that, I think we often, when we talk about what Jesus did, we often talk about him fixing the sin problem, and that's an important thing to fix. That did create a bunch of um, other problems, but we often miss, he doesn't want to just make a bad thing not bad. He wants to get you back to the good thing that we started with. Your Bible doesn't start in Genesis 3. I know there are stories where um, famous stories, right? Uh, I'm not, a, uh, again, I don't read like Lord of the Rings and stuff like that, but, but there are stories where um, it's apparent that, like, like Hunger Games, Hunger Games would be an example of this. Uh, you show up to the story and there's already a dominating force and you never even experience what it was like before that. That's not the story of the scripture. The story of the scripture says we were started, uh, we were created, we were walking in a fullness of love and joy and peace with each other. And with God, there was no shame, there was no guilt, there was no fear, there was no anxiety, there was none of that stuff. But it's not just the absence of that, it's a space of love, a space of wholeness, a space of peace, a space where we don't need legislation to change any laws because we love each other freely. A space where we would never imagine oppressing another person or standing over them or manipulating them or abusing them. A place where we receive the love that we were designed to run off. We are like, we're like a Tesla. We don't run on gas. We run on God's love as, as the human race. And we're reconnected to our power source that we might love and do the things that we're called to do, which is make this world beautiful. Bring God's love and beauty and order to this world's right? And so here's the thing. You have a part to play in that. And yeah, I don't know if anyone ever told you this before. It's going to sound cheesy, but there's literally only one of you. Literally only one of you. Now, again, you can focus on physical stuff like DNA or fingerprints. I'm referring to the totality of who you are. And again, I don't mean this in you're like, you're a snowflake kind of way. It's only one. I mean, like, actually, like, like, God thought it was important for people to experience him. And he said, man, I, I only want to do that with this person on my team to do that. There are certain people he wants to, to who, there are certain people who he wants to encounter himself. And he goes, I know the perfect person for that, the person I created for it. You were designed to manifest the image of God in a one-of-a-kind way that started at your birth, that will end at your death. In this world, anyways. You are God's masterpiece, Ephesians says. Like, you really are. Like, imagine the fall never happened. Who would you be? So often we point to brokenness as our story, but that's not our story. Our story's been impacted by brokenness. It's been impacted by sin. But the defining <laughs> narrative is people who need God's love. People who are loved by God. And so in the gospel, we're being reconciled um, to God by the person and work of Jesus we experience being reunited to God as Father. And over time, catch this, we, uh, over time we grow up into that Father's family and take on his likeness. We take on the family likeness over time. Uh, my kids have these baby books. Olivia doesn't have one yet. She brings it up often. I think we need to do it so she doesn't feel left out. All right. But Clive and Calvin have these 
Uh, it's not an issue of love uh, or adoration. Frankly, we had a lot more time when Clive was a baby to make one of these because we didn't have two other kids. So um, we're so busy with loving her in person uh, that's, you know, whatever. You get, you get. But man, there's, there's loads of pictures. And when they look at their, their ba- it's like babies and their first few years as infants, the kids love it. This morning, Clive had his out. I'm not, and he was like, Dad, he was like, Dad, I was so cute. He's like, Dad, I seem so happy in this picture at Uncle Josh's wedding. Like, I'm just so happy. I didn't even know what was happening, but, but I really loved it. And again, again, it's my wife, Jackie, and I, but also our kids themselves are blown away. They see how much they've grown, how far they've come. And now what's crazy is in 10 years, if they were to look at pictures of themselves today, they're going to have the same reaction. Because they're going to look so different 10 years from now, right? Now, now, here's the thing. No matter how much time passes, there's always a thread of similarity between the pictures. Like, you can tell it's the same person, but, man, has this unique person grown and changed. And you can see that, they, they, again, they're a unique person, but they also carry a family likeness. Like, you can tell it's them in different seasons, and you can tell they're related to other people. Uh, right? Our, our growth in Jesus is... Uh, the same, right? It's slow. It is indiscernible to the naked eye. But when you look back a few years, if you're truly in Christ, you'll always see changes. I don't know when my kids grew four feet, but some of them did. Like if I just stared at them, grow, grow, right? I miss it. What do we do? We, 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 We help them get sleep. We feed them. We make sure they don't get hit by cars. And, and over time, they grow up, right? Like, just like you. You practice the disciplines. You spend time with Jesus. You're in community. It's indiscernible. But four years later, you're like, this is a different person than that person. They kept eating. We don't know what meal put them over the edge to grow or whatever it was. But, man, it was happening. And they're like, there's growth spurts and all that stuff. We have those moments. is following Jesus. But most of our growth is slow but sure. Again, I don't, I don't know when my kids uh, grew a bunch. I also don't know when my kids stopped looking like generic babies. And started looking like Jackie-Andy hybrids. But they did. Usually with a baby, they're usually generic. I can tell a, a general sense of ethnicity, maybe. And other than that, it's just a baby. Right? They look pretty generic. And then over time, you're like, oh, I see, I see the parents. I see the eyes. I see the hair. I see the nose. If you were to do a road trip with my sons, you'd go, I see Andy's bladder in these boys. I see the translucent, very white skin. So all of us are taking on the shared image of Jesus. We're going both into maturity and into the family likeness. I want you to catch that. That you, you are an expression of Jesus. You're made in the image of God, handcrafted specific. People need Hillary. People need Morgan. People need Abigail. People need Will. People need Janelle. People need Christina. They need Drew. And Jesus loves every single one of those people individually. And he knows who they're going to become. Do you know that? But because, again, but because of the brokenness of sin left over from the fall, that image can be hard to see sometimes. Uh, again, sin can be defined as a lot of things. The one that struck me lately, I went to, um, I went to a conference uh, last week, and, and, and one of the ways that they talked about sin was a failure to reflect who Jesus has redeemed you to be. The guy kept saying, the guy leading this conference, he kept saying, so many people are a wonder, and they don't even know it. They're a wonder, and they don't even know it. 
They have all this crappy wrapping paper around them. And they have the best gift in there. And they keep going, oh, the wrapping paper. Like, dude, that's fine. We'll keep, we're putting sin to death. We're we're taking the wrapping paper off. But you're amazing. You are God's masterpiece. This is the Bible. I'm not making this up to make you feel good. You're a mosaic of grace. And he needs your peace in that mosaic. Now, how do we become that new person? And I'm glad you asked, you guys. I'm glad you asked. Because it's, it's in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit points us to Jesus. He loves to make us like Jesus. And so today I want to do a brief teaching on the Holy Spirit, and I'm hoping encounter him a little bit, okay? So I have uh, five points. I know, good night, nurse, five points. I know. Two of them are like a minute each, okay? I promise. By the way, we're talking about a member of the Trinity, a member of the Godhead. There is much more that can be said about him than I will say today in one sermon. I have one 800-page book just on the Holy Spirit and, and his gifts, nothing about sanctification got another book that's about 400 pages that's just on sanctification. You get my point. There's more that could be said. I'm not going to say it all, but I, I do want to talk about a couple things today, kind of a Holy Spirit primer. Number one is this. The Holy Spirit is God. Holy Spirit is God. Romans uh, chapter 8, verse 9. Um, it says, you, however, sorry, uh, verse 9 says, yeah, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you, that he is the spirit of God. At his core, he, he, he is God. Uh, there's a passage in Acts, I don't spend too much time on this because I'm assuming we're, we're mostly on the same page here. If you have questions, we're down to talk. Uh, in the book of Acts, there's a, a moment uh, where Peter says, hey, you haven't just lied to man, you've lied to the Holy Spirit, okay? Uh, you've lied to God, not man, you've lied to the Holy Spirit. Um, so throughout the New Testament, the Holy Spirit is referred to as being God himself, um, as followers of Jesus, we do believe in a triune God, one God, three persons, not three gods. That's, uh, you know, uh, polytheism. Um, uh, Muslims call us polytheists, by the way. And uh, the ancient Roman gods had like thousands of gods. They call the Christians atheists. So it confuses both sides. Um, uh, you know, some people, uh, here's the deal. One God, three persons, not three gods. All three persons of the Trinity have always existed. They have always equally been God, though they played different roles in redemptive history and in your life, um, they are unique. By the way, this is a mystery, but if you want to understand this mystery completely and have no more questions, what you need to do is get a coffee meeting with either Adam or Royce, your two elders. They will sort that thing out for you. I'm obviously kidding. On a serious note, if you want to dive into God as Trinity theologically, I think the best book on the topic for most people is a book called Delighting in the Trinity by Michael Reeves. Matter of fact, I think it's the book, I think it's one book every Christian should read in the English language. It's phenomenal. I was like, hey, what's like a short theology book? Delighting in the Trinity. Uh, Michael Reeves, he's a seminary professor in the UK. It's short. It's accessible. Um, it's really, really, really good. All right. So the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit also, uh, point two, the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. Um, one of the things that's hard about scripture and just hard about language and hard about concepts is God describes himself in metaphor, and if you take that metaphor too, too, too seriously, you get really confused. Like Jesus says, I am the door. Now, he's not saying, right, I am a door, right? Uh, so so, so, so this, the, the Holy Spirit, has, for example, it's described as power, that there's a power to the Spirit, or living water, Right? And so sometimes it can cause us to start to talk about the Spirit in a way that the Bible doesn't talk about the Holy Spirit. And, and my bigger concern is we start to talk about the Holy Spirit in a way where he's no longer a personal God. 
and we come we become like uh like pantheists or something he's just a part of what's around us he's in the atmosphere even some of the songs we were just singing holy spirit you are welcome here uh come flood this place fill the atmosphere and i love that song i think in the proper context it makes total sense but you got to make sure hey holy spirit we want you to do stuff among us today you're here, we want to be filled with you in a fresh way. You're here, we want to see you manifest yourself in a fresh way. So as a person, we want you to do the things that you do. So one of the things you do, like water, is you refresh us. You're not water, okay? So the Holy Spirit, uh, you, you, you bring power to change, like electricity is power, right? Uh, but the Holy Spirit is not water or electricity. The Holy Spirit is a person you can pray to, you can know, you can listen to. Does that make sense? He's a person. And this is, this is all throughout scripture. Um, I literally don't want to spend a bunch of time just reading proof texts, uh, but I'll say this about him. He can be grieved. He can be sinned against. He can be lied to. He encourages and strengthens. According to Acts 16, the spirit has a will. The spirit prohibited them from traveling further. Uh, he gives out gifts. Okay, water doesn't give out gifts. It, it quenches your thirst, don't get me wrong. It's not, it's not going to give you a gift of teaching. The Spirit has wisdom. Water doesn't have wisdom. It has knowledge. Electricity doesn't have knowledge. Do you see what I'm saying? Uh, so the Spirit is a person. Jesus says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. An helper in Greek here is someone who encourages, counsels, guides, like a friend coming alongside. A bottle of water is refreshing. It is helpful on a long hike. It is not the same thing as a friend to lean into, to carry you to encourage you, okay? So the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is inside and dwells every disciple of Jesus. Every disciple of Jesus. And guys, that is really, really, really good news. I cannot overhype it. For thousands of years, people longed to have the type of relationship that you could have if you wanted to with the Spirit. Romans 8, 9 through 11. Read this slow. It says, oh, sorry. Romans 8, 9 to 11 says, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. If anyone does not have the Spirit of God, he does not belong to him. Verse 11, and if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his Spirit who lives in you. Okay? You, you have the Spirit if you're a disciple of Jesus. If you don't, there is a problem, and the problem is you need Jesus. We love to talk about that. One commentator uh, says this. He says that that it is plain. This is as plain as you can make it. Nothing could be plainer than that. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. You see, you cannot tell if a person is a Christian by what he does at any given moment. He may do exactly the same thing as a non-Christian. He may be cruel, vindictive, lustful, sinful in every way when he does it. At that moment, you cannot tell any difference between the true disciple of Jesus and the non-believer, but there is a difference. Paul says one has the spirit of Christ in him, the Holy Spirit, and eventually that will make a fantastic, of that word, difference in his behavior. The other does not, and they will continue in sin and get worse and worse and worse. And so as time goes on, again, being filled with the spirit is to come under the influence of the spirit. As time goes on, right, I should be able to see who's influencing you. You guys might have had, I, I grew up in uh, kind of a, I grew up in a, in a rough area uh, both times. And uh, one of the things you would watch is when some people would come under the influence of the wrong people, you would see where their life would head. In the same way, over time, if you are being influenced by the Holy Spirit, that will start 
to, you'll see love and joy and peace and patience and gentleness and goodness and self-control. I don't care how good your theology is. If you're a jerk, I'd wonder if you have the Holy Spirit, especially if you're a jerk over a lifetime. You should start to slowly but surely look like Jesus. You should see that you're under the influence of the Spirit. Again, if the Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, that's a powerful Spirit. If He is inside of you, there should be some changes over time. He will leave His mark on you. One of the words for spiritual power um, in the New Testament is, is, is uh, a word, uh, sorry, a weird etymology thing. Uh, basically, it's the root word, for, it's, it's a root for the word dynamite, okay, in English, dynamite, power, okay, think that. That power will leave its mark on you over time. That doesn't mean you're not going to sin bad. Sin bad. Uh, remember him? <laughs> Miss that guy, what he's up to. Uh, that genie movie? Anyways, uh, anyways, uh, you're going to sin grievously at times. You're going you're gonna to be bummed on yourself. You're going to go, man, I still struggle with that same flesh that's around. But I am becoming someone new. Number four, the Spirit, uh, this is tied to this, the Spirit's helping us take on the family likeness. The Spirit is helping us take on the family likeness. Read Romans 8, 12 to 13. says, So then, brothers and sisters, we are not obligated to the flesh to live according to the flesh. Because if you live according to the flesh, you're going to die. Uh, by the way, I, I taught in Romans 7 about the flesh a lot. Um, so I'm not going to dive too deep into the flesh. But it's the you before you met Jesus. And it's the remnants of you before Jesus. Okay, it's the fastest way to do that. Um, again, if you have questions, just ask Adam and Royce. Um, verse 14 says, For all those led by God's spirit are God's sons. Okay, so when Paul says led by God's spirit, he means led by the spirit into becoming like Jesus. Now, there is a subjective leading of the Holy Spirit we see throughout the book of Acts. Uh, yes, we're, but that's not what Paul's talking about here. He's talking about he's leading you to become like Jesus. That's his goal for you. If the spirit is moving you in a direction, again, you can have assurance you're God's children. How? I'm becoming like Jesus, slowly but surely. By the way, ladies, uh, don't feel left out here by the fact that Paul said you are God's sons and not your sons, you're his sons and daughters. Um, he used sons because in those days, sons, firstborn sons especially, but sons would get all the inheritance. It's not God's desire. That's how it was. It's actually better for you to be put in the category of sons because you have all the same privileges as a first century firstborn son. What it means is completely favored. If you have the spirit and you're becoming like Jesus, you can know that you are in the family and you have an inheritance. You have a future. You have access to all. Uh, the epistles talk about this over and over again. You have access to all that Jesus has access to. But uh, again, like when men, uh, when Paul says the church is the bride of Christ, obviously there are, there are men who are part of the bride. Da, da, da. So I just want you to see uh, it's just a metaphor again. But I think it's a helpful one. Pr think privileged child privileged child. If the Spirit's leading you to become like Jesus, as slow as that might be, you have the assurance that you're God's child. It's a gradual process, but I want to tell you again, as I have before, don't be discouraged. If you have a desire to become like Jesus when no one's looking, the Spirit of God's at work in your life. If you only want to become like Jesus when you're at church in front of people, it could be a, a societal pressure around you. It could be a, uh, what, what's the word? Um, 
kind of a herding togetherness pressure in a family systems language. It could be you're just trying to fit in like a middle school kid wearing clothes you're going to regret in 10 years. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm, talking about, I'm not talking about raising your hands because people are looking. I'm talking about like you raise your hands in your room or getting your face in your room or you spend any time in scripture by yourself and no one knows about it. You give sums of money and you don't tell anyone about it like Jesus said too. Um, you're dealing with an, an addiction. Some people know about it, but, 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 but the only people who know about it know it in a very humbling way about you, not to make you like, look good. Like, I'm dealing with my addiction. You're, you're, you're doing things, uh, you're giving things up just because you love Jesus. If that's happening, guys, as slow as it is, you're becoming like Jesus. You are his privileged child. And the Holy Spirit proves that over and over and over again. The Spirit's goal is to make you like Jesus. He's giving us the power to put sin to death, to walk away from the dysfunctional awful behaviors, you know, kind of marred by the fall. He's slowly but surely changing you from the inside out, whether you're always feeling it. It's happening. Religion seeks to change us from the outside in, right? That's what I was talking about. I, I have no confidence in someone that does stuff just because people are looking. Not bummed on them. I'm just saying, if, if, that's, if that's, I'll go, man, do you really love Jesus? Uh, we'd be good to slow down and, and ask that. But, but the Holy Spirit changes us from the inside out, where your desires and goals and priorities are changing before anyone even knows about it. We're in a social media culture. We tell everyone everything that happens in our life. Now, this is like underneath the surface, there's this thing happening. And you're like, I think Jesus is changing me. <laughs> Last but not least, number, number five. Um, and again, he, he wants you to become the unique person Jesus redeemed you to be, to live out your calling in the space and place we find ourselves in. Um, which means the Holy Spirit is for you if you're a disciple. But number five, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of Jesus. It's the spirit of Jesus. Now, I don't want to create confusion here because I already mentioned earlier, what I mentioned earlier is true. The Holy Spirit is a distinct person and member of the Trinity to Jesus. How, right, they are not the same person. However, in terms of their heart for you, their commitment to you, in terms of their character, in terms of their trustworthiness, Jesus and the Spirit have all of that in common. I was just in Tunisia, and their word for same is kif-kif. I love it. It's a fun, fun phrase. They're kif-kif in those ways. Jesus and the Spirit have, have all that in common. And I bring that up because I have found that it's often easier for me to trust Jesus, but I find myself full of skepticism when it comes to trusting the Holy Spirit. I'm sure something has to do with my baggage, my personality, how I've seen bad theology put into practice. Um, but for whatever reason, if I'm honest, I have this belief that the Spirit wants to shame me or make me do weird, embarrassing things. Like you met the Holy Spirit, man, he, man you're going to trip with that guy, it's weird. And that causes me to functionally avoid him. And maybe this is the case with you too. And I experienced this firsthand the past 10 days or so. Uh, I've had an interesting few weeks with the Holy Spirit. Uh, two weeks ago, I was actually, I was with Drew. I was invited to a small gathering of, uh, they got leading worship today. Uh, I was invited to a small gathering of San Diego church leaders in North County. And uh, I was invited there, not fully knowing what to expect. All I knew was there was a traveling prophet from Arkansas who was going to visit. I don't know why, that just threw me. Just pictured a guy like John the Baptist just getting out of a swamp. And, and I kind of went as a courtesy to my friend. And I, me and Jackie went. And I'm like, man, I don't know about this dude. Like, this is, this is pretty random. And the guy walks in. Uh, I can't even, his name rhymes. Like, there's a lot going on. But he had an exceptionally beautiful countenance. He was calm. He was mature. He was quiet. He wasn't a crazy guy on TV yelling at the screen. He felt a lot like Jesus. And then he said, hey, I, I asked uh, the people 
who are running this event. You know, there's only about 10 of you guys here. I asked them for your first names, no last names, because I don't want to Google you. And I, and I, I don't know your name or what you're about. And I said, hey, uh, give me some names. And then, and then he literally had a, a yellow, a legal pad, a yellow sheet. He'd hand each of us a piece of paper. And uh, a lot of stuff was true. It was crazy. Like, it ministered to me and Jackie so much. Uh, encourages us in some stuff we're thinking about um, and that no one knew. And really built up Jackie. Like, I wish she was here. By the way, our kids are sick this morning. Uh, this, some of them are of the fall. That's why she is not here but here's the thing. I, going into it, I was skeptical of the whole thing, and I just thought it was going to go terrible. So, like, here's all the sins you committed before you were 25. Here's some sins. And God's, he likes you. He loves you, but he doesn't like you. And I just had some weird feeling, you know, and, and, and he just built us up. I, I uh, again, uh, 10 days ago, I was at a conference. It was on, I went with Ashley and, and Jamie. It was on inner healing, uh, kind of ministering to people in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's amazing, man. There's a team of therapists, licensed therapists and pastors uh, putting this thing on. And uh, I'm there at this thing because I want to help people. But, like, part of me is like, I don't want to be helped. So I'm there, and, and like, hey, we would love to just pray for you guys. And, uh, and I just, he said, uh, he, God just came. He said, man, I feel like you, you're, you feel stuck in an area of your life. I don't know what it is. I was like, I kind of do, actually. Like, I actually do a lot. And, um, and he starts to pray for me. He doesn't ask me a question. He doesn't ask me to visualize anything. He puts his hand on my shoulder. And I just instantly, I think of the, the conversation when I'm nine years old, like Calvin's age, with my parents when they told me they were getting a divorce. Divorce. And, uh, and, and, and it came to mind, and I felt like the Spirit said as clear as day, you were never allowed to grieve this. You were never allowed to say, hey, this impacts me. I don't like this. Why? And again, I think they were trying to, to bless me. They were trying to love me. They were doing the best they can. They were not Christians. They were like pumping the upside. Doing a lot of reframing. Like, you're going to have Sega Nintendo and Super Genesis. Two bikes, bro. Two rooms. Two rooms. I don't even have one room. I think my mom literally moved into our garage just to give me a room, just so they could have the two-room part of the, the spiel, I swear. Also, we were loud. But they didn't make space. And he just goes, hey, you've been carrying this wound, man. And, and it's actually connected to this thing you never would have connected on its own. It's been helpful. It's challenging. I'm moving into that. And, and, and uh, uh, man, I'm, I'm like, why do, why do I run from the Spirit? Why do I try to fix myself? Why do I try to control everything? So helpful and comforting. Another tenet of our training was not forcing anything, not giving answers, but allowing the Spirit to slowly reveal things to people, letting the Spirit lead. The guy used the, the analogy. I thought this was really helpful. He said, we're like a midwife. It's not our baby. It's not our pregnancy. Uh, it's not our wife. We are positioning them to encounter the Holy Spirit. And when he shows up, it's going to be fine. Such a beautiful picture of ministry. You know how much time as a pastor I've been tired because I'm trying to like fix people who don't want to be fixed and don't want to be here and are mad and da 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 da. And, and I'm like, come on, man, let me help you. Come on, let me help you. You know, I'm like a doctor trying to convince people to come into my clinic. And, and actually, they're like, that's a pretty weird way for a doctor to draw a business. <laughs> It's like, you're not ready. That's fine, man. I, you know, but, but I, I like to be liked, and I have all these things. And, and, and so it's this beautiful picture of ministry. Don't fix people. Bring them into the presence of the Holy Spirit. Trust that if they end up somewhere else, he'll bring them into the Spirit, the Spirit's presence. He loves them more than I do. And, and I love that picture. Just bring them into the presence. You don't have to control it. We let the Spirit lead and do what he tells us to do. And I love that picture until I was forced to put it into practice 24 hours later. 
I'm at the Charlotte airport. Guys, it was like, uh, uh, it, it was like I am legend, man. It was just like, what's going on with our, what's going on? Uh, they're like, we can't get you to San Diego in over 48 hours. I'm like, dude, I will drive to Atlanta overnight, fly to be here in the morning. I'll drive to wherever, Greensboro. I'll drive to Phoenix or Vegas or LA. Sorry, fly me there and then I'll, I'll drive to San Diego. Like, I'm, I'm begging. She's like, honey, I can't get you west of the Tennessee in the next 48 hours. <laughs> And I teared up, and I was frustrated because I'm going to miss out on the, on the relaunch in the new space, and, and, I, and I'm going to miss this moment with you, and, and I love this church family. But if I'm honest, another reason I was frustrated and afraid was because as much as I, want, I say I want to trust the Holy Spirit, I don't really trust him. Like, what's the church going to do without me? People all filled with the Spirit. Godly elders filled with the Spirit. Godly people filled with the Spirit. What are they going to do without Andy. And then all I got, unsolicited a few times, all I got was account after account of how God the Holy Spirit ministered to people. And I share these stories, all three, that just say the Holy Spirit is good. He smells and sounds like Jesus. He has the same heart for you as Jesus has. He loves you. He is for you. You can trust him. He takes you places you don't want to go, but you're so glad you went there. Like he really does. You can trust him. His goal is not your shame or embarrassment, but your joy and your wholeness in Jesus. I don't know if it's heretical, but he's a good dude. He's a good person. So in the spirit of positioning, I want to close today's gathering in a, in a couple of ways. And we, we started late, which was my fault, sick kids and a myriad of things. Uh, also, we made time for the Spirit, and so uh, I want to continue to make time for the Spirit. I want to call Drew up. Um, on paper, we, our goal for gatherings is 100 minutes. Uh, we are at 90 right now, or 90 since we were supposed to have started. I understand that there's probably a kids' rebellion going on uh, that you know, the UN's been notified about. Uh, if you have kids and you need to get your kids, or one of you, I'd encourage maybe one spouse to get your kids, whatever, and, and hang. But, but if you just feel like, man, I, I want to engage the Spirit, uh, I want to continue to worship, uh, man, I, I would love to um, just take some time to listen. Uh, if you guys want to hit the lights and, and get, the, get the lyrics up here in a, in a sec. But, but Drew's going to strum. And uh, so if you need to go now, and if you need to go, that's totally fine. That's what I'm trying to say. It's also the 4th of July stuff. But if you guys want to hang a little bit, I want you to just close your eyes. And I know the light's already off, so please don't take a nap. But to be fair, I don't know, if, if, if you literally are that tired, please take a nap. Spirit's safe. This isn't a place of judgment. And just, just take a second and close your eyes and, and get comfortable. If you're, if you're comfortable with like deep breathing, if that's been helpful for you to focus, feel free to do that. And breathe in through your nose, out through your mouth, but just take a second to feel your body, feel the space you're in. This isn't a new age trick. I want you to be aware of the environment you're in and who's here. Spirit of God is here. And he's for you. And he loves to empower. And he loves to set free. So just take a second. Say, Holy Spirit, I'm here. Just let you know I'm here. 
you reveal yourself to me? to keep your eyes closed. And I want to encourage you to ask the Holy Spirit a few questions. Please, uh, we'll send these out. We'll get them to you. Um, don't worry about writing them down, okay? I want you to be present. You might take one of these questions. You might use all four. The first question is this. To just ask him, Holy Spirit. By the way, these are from a book called More by Alan Craft. used before. Holy Spirit, when you look at me, who do you see? What do you see? Ask the Spirit that question. When you look at me, who do you see? What do you like about me? Why? Don't try to figure it out. Just listen. Test it a little bit. Holy Spirit, I ask that you, in this moment, but would you continue to help people see themselves the way that you see them? Would they see the wonder, the beauty, the personality that maybe their parents didn't like, that you created them with, that you love? eyes open. If you want to continue to listen on that last question, feel free. But some of you guys might want to ask this question. It's for today. Is there, Holy Spirit, is there anyone here in this room you want me to encourage? And if so, is there anything you'd like me to say to them? Anything you'd like me to say to them? Just take a second and listen. Might be an encouragement, prophetic word, a scripture. Might be you need to apologize for something. Experience the joy of reconciliation. Holy Spirit, is there anyone here you want me to encourage? Anything you'd like me to say? Just continue to listen.
Okay, not trying to force anything or figure it out. God put anyone on your heart or a sense of what to say. Continue to pray. Continue to pray about it um, and, and, and share it here in a little while. Again, it needs to line up with the character of Jesus. Think fruit of the Spirit. Uh, if you aren't sure, ask an elder. You know, it's like the scripture is character of Jesus. But but either way, right now, um, what I want us to do is just to respond to what we've been hearing. For some of you, um, the Spirit's speaking to you in a way you've never encountered before, man. Just press into that. Sit with that. For some of you, God gave you something for someone you think. And maybe he even is telling you something that he just told them. And it's going to be really encouraging and reaffirming and, and amazing. Um. For some of you, I want to encourage you, we do have communion available. I would encourage you to take it if you are a follower of Jesus, if you're a member of our community. We've got the COVID and non-COVID options. Or what, they don't have COVID on. You guys get it. Yeah. <laughs> vaccinated, unvaccinated, and just not comfortable with, with sharing. That's totally fine. And for some of you guys, are just going to be singing. Um, Drew and Christine are going to be singing over us and sing with them. So for some of you guys, uh, so, so if, if, if you should be walking over to talk, if you should be face down, if you should be going to ask for prayer, if you should be taking communion, whatever you feel led to do in this moment, I want to encourage you to do. And we'll have a soft close, uh, okay? So, um, so the Holy Spirit, I pray you would lead us. If it's to another person in this room, if it's to sit quietly in an area, if it's a step you're calling us to, to take, in this next season, it's in this moment, decisions being affirmed, whatever it is. I know you're leading us to Christ-likeness and you want to help us lead each other into Christ-likeness. So would you just have your way in this space? Thanks, Jesus, for dying that we might be reconciled to the triune God, to the Holy Spirit. So as we take communion, Holy Spirit, would you remind us of Jesus? Would you point us to Jesus and his great love for us, his great identity that covers us, his great power at work within us? Because of the shame and weakness he endured on the cross. This is his name we pray. Amen. So feel free to stand and sing, sit and sing, go pray, take communion, do your thing, respond, respond.